This is broadcast producer Desi Doyen. We're off this week, so we're re-airing our special coverage of the four historic criminal indictments of Donald J. Trump. Today's episode, Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg's New York State Indictment from April 4th, 2023. Donald Trump, former president of the United States, frontrunner for the Republican nomination for president of the United States, is now under arrest. Oh, is he? I hadn't heard. Sad. Welcome to our special coverage, though. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lanchester, Pennsylvania on W News, out in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Hi, New York. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day. Around the globe every day on the internet. You can tell how excited I am. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today, as I said, for another special coverage episode of the Bradcast. Donald J. Trump, the twice-impeached former president of the United States, loser of the 2020 election and declared Republican candidate for the 2024 election, surrendered to arrest at the New York State uh, uh, New York Supreme Court building in downtown Manhattan on Tuesday where he was booked and charged with 34 criminal felonies in the first degree for falsifying business records as part of a conspiracy beginning in 2015 and continuing through 2017 while he was serving in the Oval Office to interfere with and win the 2016 presidential election. I'll get to the specifics of the charges just posted shortly before airtime today in a moment. But these charges, of course, are just the first of several criminal indictments that Trump is expected to face over the next several months in other jurisdictions as related to his attempts to strong-arm election officials to steal the 2020 election for him in Georgia, to incite an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, to try and steal the 2020 electoral college vote. 
starting to see a pattern here. And, of course, his theft of thousands of pages of classified documents upon leaving the White House and obstruction of justice to prevent the U.S. government from getting those documents back. Trump is, as you may have heard, the first president in history, U.S. history, to be charged with crimes. But as I have argued in various ways over the past week or so or longer, he should not have been. He should not have been the first president to have been charged with crimes, though, yes, he should have been charged arguably long ago. But accountability begins somewhere. And on Tuesday in New York City, the idea that a former president is somehow above accountability, above the law. Well, that began in any event. That idea comes to an end. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin L. Bragg Jr. today announced the indictment of Donald J. Trump, 76, for falsifying New York business records in order to conceal damaging information and unlawful activity from American voters before and after the 2016 election. That, according to the press release just issued by the Manhattan DA's office during the election, they write Trump and others employed a, quote, catch-and-kill scheme to identify, purchase, and bury negative information about him and boost his electoral prospects. Trump then went to great lengths to hide this conduct, causing dozens of false entries in business records to conceal criminal activity, including attempts to violate state and federal election laws. Trump is charged in a New York State Supreme Court indictment with 34 counts of falsifying business records, in the first degree. The people of the state of New York allege that Donald J. Trump repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal crimes that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 election. According to District Attorney Bragg, quote, Manhattan is home to the country's most significant business market. We cannot allow New York businesses to manipulate their records to cover up criminal conduct. The trail of money and lies exposes a pattern that people that the people allege violates one of New York's basic and fundamental business laws. As this office has done time and time again, he said, we today uphold our solemn responsibility to ensure that everyone stands equal before the law. According to documents and statements made on the record in court, the office notes from August 2015 to December 2017, so that's the end of his first year in office, Trump orchestrated his catch-and-kill scheme through a series of payments that he then concealed through months of false business entries. In one instance, they note American Media Inc., they're the owners of the National Enquirer, paid $30,000 to a former Trump Tower doorman who claimed to have a story about a child that Trump had out of wedlock. Well, that one was unexpected. In a second instance, they note AMI paid $150,000 to a woman that would be uh, Playboy model Karen McDougal, who alleged she had a sexual relationship with Trump when Trump explicitly directed a lawyer who then worked for the Trump organization as Trump's special counsel to reimburse AMI in cash. The special counsel indicated to Trump that the payment should be made via a shell company and not by cash. AMI, which later admitted its conduct was unlawful in an agreement with federal prosecutors, made false entries in its business records concerning the true purpose of the $150,000 payment. 
In a third instance, 12 days before the presidential general election in 2016, the special counsel wired $130,000 to an attorney for an adult film actress. That would be Stormy Daniels, whose real name is Stephanie Clifford's. The special counsel, who has since pleaded guilty and served time in prison for making the illegal campaign contribution, that of course would be Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, made the payment through a shell corporation that was funded through a bank in Manhattan. After winning the election, Trump reimbursed the special counsel through a series of monthly checks, first from Donald J. Trump Revocable Trust, uh, created in New York to hold the Trump Organization assets during his presidency, and then later from Trump's own bank account. In total, 11 checks were issued for a phony purpose, the Manhattan DA alleges. Nine of those checks were signed by Trump personally. Each check was processed by the Trump Organization and illegally disguised as a payment for legal services rendered pursuant to a non-existent retainer agreement. Further, participants in the scheme took steps that mischaracterized for tax purposes the true nature of the reimbursements. That's uh, the defendant, uh, the information for defendant Donald J. Trump of Palm Beach, Florida, the charges of falsifying business records in the first degree, a class E felony, 34 counts of same. Now, shortly after Trump left his arraignment in downtown Manhattan on Tuesday, he did not look at, much less speak to the cameras. He then headed straight to the airport on his way back to Mar-a-Lago in Florida. District Attorney Bragg gave a brief press conference thereafter to explain the charges. Here's just a few of his remarks. Under New York state law, it is a felony to falsify business records with intent to defraud and an intent to conceal another crime. That is exactly what this case is about. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York State. No matter who you are, we cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. Why did Donald Trump repeatedly make these false statements? The evidence will show that he did so to cover up crimes relating to the 2016 election. So given the timing of all of this uh, on Tuesday, coming just before airtime with uh, Trump's arraignment and, and the unsealing of charges, uh, I'm going to save a conversation with legal experts on all of this for another day after folks can actually look into the details of the charges. Uh, I'm also presuming there's going to be plenty of that on the uh, mainstream media in any event over the next uh, few hours and days, maybe weeks and months. And instead, I wanted to have a couple of folks on longtime bloggers and friends who have for about 20 years now been calling for accountability for U.S. presidents in a world where that simply doesn't, or at least hasn't happened, until now. And as I have been arguing of late, has uh, resulted in more and more crimes from each of those successive presidents, specifically Republican ones, beginning with Ronald Reagan, up through the uh, both George Bushes, resulting in, yes, Donald Trump, with each president's crimes being arguably worse than the ones that came before them. 
Joining us now to discuss all of that and more, uh, of course, as always, is our own Desi Doyen. Good yes. uh, afternoon, Desiree. <laughs> Such as it is. Yeah, it is good afternoon, and uh, at least I'll make the argument. And we are also joined again by two of our favorite special uh, broadcast special coverage panelists, and hopefully yours. First, it's our old friend Drift Glass, a longtime political blogger and activist who, from uh, what he and his co-host and wife Fran, also known as Blue Girl, lovingly describe as flyover country Illinois, produce and host their own professional left podcast every Friday, Rain or Shine. And yes, they also host another podcast called No Fair Remembering Stuff, because Drift Glass, also known to some as just Bill actually does remember stuff, and a lot of it. Welcome back to the broadcast, Amigo, on a pretty momentous day, sir. A pretty terrific day, i got to say. I think know? so. We'll see, uh, we'll see if Heather agrees. Of course, it would not be a big day in the political life of Donald Trump and for the nation itself if we were not joined, as you might have guessed, by the one and only Heather Digby-Parton, longtime blogger known simply as Digby at Hullabaloo and as a longtime award-winning columnist at Salon. Uh, and she has joined us for just about every notable moment in the Trump era, including the... Uh, that day, also in New York City, when he came down the golden escalator in front of paid actors posing as supporters at Trump Tower on June 16, 2015, if I recall. Oh, Digby, glad you're still there. Welcome back for another landmark day. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here on Indicated Day. Indicated Day, <laughs> indeed. So let's start with, uh, with the idea of accountability. Uh, Drift Glass, I, I noticed uh, today that the uh, Manhattan District Attorney's Office, uh, their, their webpage, right in the front center of the main page, it says, quote, one standard of justice for all. I don't know if it's always said that or if it was recently added for some reason, but um, the uh, DA, Alvin Bragg, in Manhattan over the past day or two uh, had reportedly been consulting with Secret Service and New York City court officials uh, before concluding that there was no reason to subject the former president to handcuffs or a mugshot. So there is already not one standard of justice for all, it seems to me, as he's uh, already, Trump's been receiving preferential treatment uh, that other defendants are not uh, afforded. Uh, Should he be granted those courtesies as you see it? Well, I mean, for my personal amusement's sake, I want all the cameras in the courtroom all the time. Mm -hmm. I want, I'm getting every square inch of travel that Donald Trump is making. (laughs) True. Um, I have seen the... Everything but a team at LaGuardia staking out his luggage, going, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just contain underwear, documents, we don't know. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'll take it. I've, I've, we've been waiting for this so long, for someone to be held accountable for something, mm-hmm. that I'm willing to forego handcuffs on Donald Trump. I don't think he's a flight risk. I don't think he can fly. I don't think he can run. I can, <laughs> he can barely walk. So, you know, he's not going to get away. Uh-huh. And mugshots, yeah, I'll take them if if I can get them. But if not, fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever makes this proceed a pace towards an actual trial with actual jurors and an actual sentence, I am all for it. And if some compromises have to be made along the way, fine. Mm. 
Well, we will get some uh, to some of the actual charges in a moment, but Heather, uh, Judge Juan Mershon, uh, actually Justice Juan Mershon, he's a uh, acting Supreme Court justice, issued an order on Monday night allowing five still photographers into the courtroom uh, for the arraignment, uh, but not during the arraignment. So it would be before the actual arraignment. There would be no video coverage of it. No electronic devices allowed during the actual arraignment. Uh, is that fair? Uh, helping to avoid, is that a good idea? Helping to avoid a circus here? Or does this have enough obvious public interest that, in fact, it should be covered live, as you see it? Well, I'm with Drip Glass on the idea that, 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 you know, I think there should be cameras in courtrooms. I just think it's good for the country to see the criminal justice system in action. Mm-hmm. But apparently in New York, it's not all that common. At least that's what all the talking heads say. So mm-hmm. that, you know, to have done it would have actually been the anomalous decision. Mm. Um, and it might have actually played into Donald Trump's hands. He's, there's been a lot of discussion that he kind of likes the idea of, you know, sort of playing the martyr. Although, interestingly, we didn't really see him do that to the extent I think we thought he might. Uh Um, Yes, we did see every square inch of his travel. We watched his plane sitting Mm -hmm. there doing nothing for days, too, just sitting on the tarmac, and they were talking over the the footage of the plane just sitting there. I don't, you know, there's a whole show to be done on the way the media is handling this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we we should do that at some point because it's really, really bad. I mean, I just want to share one thing that we heard today on CNN. Mm -hmm. There are many doors in this courtroom and many hallways to these doors, so there are many doors to choose from. (laughs) That is the level of commentary that we're getting from the cable news show. It's good so, stuff. You know, it's good stuff. <laughs> so I, so having said that, uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's something else, isn't it? Um, so, you know, I think that, that, that we are, that not putting the cameras in the, in the courtroom and sort of being more, uh, you know, not doing a perp walk and mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. I think it may actually be a good idea in this case, just simply because, um, you know, we're, it's already going to be a circus, well, and uh, maybe they need to keep it toned down as much as they can. Well, my uh, my argument, uh, let's let's make this personal, shall we? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for all of his uh, bravado, uh, you know, behind the safety, the the shield of social media. I would argue, here's my argument, Trump is actually a coward. Trump is absolutely terrified about what is now happening to him. I thought he looked terrified when he showed up uh, on on Monday at Trump Tower after traveling back from Florida. I thought he looked terrified going into the courtroom to be arraigned. And and perhaps most tellingly, and I think you hit on it, he did not, uh, Heather, he did not even look at the cameras when coming out of the courtroom. Uh, Trump not looking at a camera? Are you serious? Uh, So I think he's a coward, and I think he's terrified, personally terrified about all of this. Am I right or wrong as you see it? Oh, I think so. I mean, he did not, he's not, you know, he's real brave, you know, writing in all caps, threatening everybody Mm -hmm. on Truth Social. But, you know, when he's face-to-face, and we've seen this before in in his years of, you know, being in the public eye, he's not nearly he's not nearly as brave mm-hmm. when he has to face somebody personally. And I, you know, I think that he's he's freaked out. And you know, frankly, he should be. Mm-hmm. Thirty four felony counts against him. I mean, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> oh my God! You know, and yeah. and and I mean, this is serious stuff. And he may actually. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever see a day behind bars. But this is, you know, this is a huge part of his legacy now, one way or the other. 
and he is now under criminal indictment. And, you know, yeah, I'd be freaked out, and he should be even more freaked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get the sense that he has skated by without consequences for all of his lawbreaking and all of his awful actions all of these years that he never really believed it would ever actually yeah. happen. And now it has. Uh, Drift Glass, uh, let's jump into some of these charges. And again, I don't know, none of us here are attorneys. Uh, this material has just been released within the past hour as we go to, to uh, I almost said as we go to jail, as we go to air, <laughs> as we go to air. And so I haven't gotten to look at all of it yet. Uh, but the charges included, as I noted there in that uh, press release, from Bragg's office, uh, quote, in one instance, American Media Inc., that's AMI, paid $30,000 to a former Trump Tower doorman, doorman who claimed to have a story about a child Trump had out of wedlock. Now, I do recall rumors about that of such a thing years ago. And the DA's statement of facts document actually says uh, that at some point, quote, AMI, that's uh, the uh, National Enquirer people, AMI concluded that the story was not true. Are are you familiar with that story? Did it catch you off guard today as it did me? And do we actually know if it's true or not? And frankly, whether there's another Trump kid out there somewhere? Yeah, I I had not heard that particular story. I thought when I was listening to it sort of in a blur this afternoon, they were Mm -hmm. just paying AMI to not mention Tiffany anywhere. So that was the uh-huh. that was what they were they were they were attempting to do. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, I was I just want to put this in historical context. Yeah, this is uh, thirty four more felony counts than Hillary Clinton ever had. There you go. Thirty four mm-hmm. more felony counts than Barack Obama, mm-hmm. Joe Biden, Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let me see, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, so this is a whole lot but, more felony counts. But to be fair, also 34 more uh, criminal counts than George W. Bush, George Bush Sr., or Ronald Reagan. And which was a travesty, yep. frankly. And I, your lead-up to the sort of the ever-doubling escalation of Republicans feeling confident they can get away with murder leading up to Trump is absolutely true. This is how we got here. So mm-hmm. the, the idea that he would just, that he's got to go to court and plead something I agree with everyone. Everything everyone said it completely freaked him out. Mm-hmm. This was never supposed to happen. I mean, and I think part of it is he really believed that all the garbage he talked about Barack Obama was sort of half true. That you're for a president, you're an emperor, and you can do anything you want. You can you can say anything you want, and there'll never be any accountability. And he really ran his four year administration just that way. And now there's accountability, and he's just not ready for it mm. at all. There has been uh, much said uh, over the past, well, since the past four or five days since the uh, uh, indictments were announced or at least confirmed that they existed, uh, that uh, the notion that these were not serious charges in New York, unlike the other investigations in Georgia and by special counsel Jack Smith, and that uh, Alvin Bragg had declined to pursue you know, more serious bank tax and insurance fraud uh, charges. What, what, what's your thought on that, uh, Drift Glass? Well, it's, this is the, um, I was called to mind a scene from Moneyball where the, um, the owner of the uh, Boston Red Sox is mm-hmm. talking to Brad Pitt, talking about the first man through the fence. Mm-hmm. This is the first man through the fence. This is the first... This takes it off the table that you can't indict a former president. Yes. And I think that is the moment that, for all of the, the hoo-ha and all of the fact, oh, this is just, you know, bookkeeping errors, which is all BS anyway, 
the fact that they mounted a case, they were very diligent about it, they, they went through everything they had to do, they dotted all their I's and crossed their T's and brought 34 counts and brought this SOB into court to charge him. That's what's important about this case. Mm. And, and, I th- and yeah. that sets the precedent from now on, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, uh, Desi Doyen has sort of referred to it as breaking the seal yes. on all of this. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. yeah. this I like will, your first man through the gate. That also works. That Well, and this, this will make it easier, I think, if nothing else. Uh, no matter what comes of these charges, it seems like it will make it easier now for Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith to bring charges here, they don't have to worry about. Oh gosh, you know, will we? Will I be the first to bring a charge against a president, Heather? What, if anything, uh, should we take from the observation that almost incredibly there were? Well, there were no substantive leaks about the indictment between last week when the uh, grand jury had voted on it and then the big reveal uh, on Tuesday, other than, oh, there was 30, some people had said literally 34, so that turned out to be true. But other than that, I, I was stunned that there wasn't more information leaking out uh, from from uh, Bragg's office. Well, I think it just says you're dealing, we're dealing with a professional, you know, office of, you know, district attorney's office, and they understand the stakes, and they're all committed to doing it, which I, I, that, that is kind of interesting, because, you know, you have to assume that any prosecutor's office will probably have some Trump voters in it, right? I mean, you would assume that, and so you'd think maybe there'd be some, some you know, conflicts there, mm-hmm. and that maybe somebody would leak it, but they mm-hmm. didn't, and the fact is, too... That in the indictment, or after the indictment was announced uh, in the courtroom today, the prosecutors all brought up the idea they're very, very concerned about leaks of the discovery material mm. that is going to be turned over to the defense. Because, And you know what will happen, right? I mean, this will be grand jury material. It could be names of people. And that was sort of in the same breath that they were also expressing their concerns about all the threats that are coming from Donald Trump and others around him. Um, this is a big concern in this case, is that these people, it's not the, the district attorney's office that's going to be in danger of leaking. It's the Trump people leaking names of people who could then be targets from mm-hmm. these nuts that are out there, these Trump nuts. So that adds a whole new sort of layer of, of kind of fear, I think, among people. I mean, ask yourself, and they were talking about this, uh, you know, on TV, would you want to be on this jury? I mean... <laughs> I'd have to think twice. Uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be, you'd want to do your civic duty and it would be a fascinating case. But, you know, he's got some real nuts that yeah. are following him, you know, that, that follow him. And you'd have to, you'd have to be cautious about wanting to do that. So they have a whole layer of concern there about this case. And it's, you know, they didn't have to bring it, but they did. And thank goodness they did. I don't think anybody, the idea that Alvin Bragg brought this case because Oh, you know, he's political and he, you know, wanted to make his name or whatever. I really seriously doubt that. Uh, I think they, he had plenty of sleepless nights. Not because the case isn't solid. We, mm-hmm. we assume that he thinks it is but because the ramifications of it are so extreme. And, and I want to get to some of the, uh, those politics in a moment, but I, I should also note, you know, this is New York City. They've had uh, trials for mob figures uh, who are at least as dangerous as Donald Trump, it seems to me. Uh, there was some talk of uh, that the, the jurors here will probably be uh, kept anonymous somehow, the way they do in, in a mob trial. 
But this is a guy who has continued to attack the judge in this case and his family, his wife and his daughter. Was it uh, Eric uh, Trump who released a, a photograph of the... No, it was actually Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. Who, yeah, who released a photograph of the judge's daughter and said, oh, look, you know, yeah. she's some related to some Democratic something or other. Now, this is, and, you know, and calling them Trump haters, the, the, the judge and his wife. Now, that wouldn't seem to be helpful, you know, if you look at it in most cases. But uh, does it put folks like Justice... Juan Marchand not sort of knock him back on his heels to now go out of his way to be fair to the point where Trump is actually given an advantage. You know, the old tried and true uh, playing the refs here, uh, Drift Glass. I, I can't see a Manhattan judge being cowed by Donald Trump. You know, if, if you've had terrorists in your courtroom and mm-hmm. you've had mobsters in your courtroom, and, you know, there's, a, there's that line from Batman, you know, if, if they're shooting at you in Gotham, then you're doing your job. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is, this is not um, playtime now. This is, this is big boy court. And I have to assume that along with Alvin Bragg, uh, the judge is a seasoned professional. Um, the entire prosecution team are seasoned professionals, and they know what they're doing. Uh, if they don't, then we have a whole raft of different problems. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> True. I just can't see them being bullied by this petty, you know, little man mm. who did these terrible things. Um, and, you know, the, the, the minute this starts heating up, I'm sure I will roll something from Georgia. Mm. And, you know, mm. once that gets going, suddenly Jack Smith is going to be showing up mm-hmm. with his documents case. So uh, uh, this, is, this is Trump's problem now. And the justice system is going to grind him to dust. And it doesn't look like he's getting a lot of help. Uh, Trump spent the uh, last two weeks calling for, you know, in all caps, protest, protest, protest. So far, anyway, there has been no such protests of note, not at Mar-a-Lago, not in New York City. Uh, Heather, are you surprised that there hasn't been really any noteworthy outpouring of protest, at least so far? And, And why do you think that is? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that I read something today where the Department of Justice feels that, you know, one of the great aspects of all of these January 6th trials and bringing charges against so many people who were, you know, involved in the insurrection, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's supposed to serve as a deterrent, and maybe it did, you know. I don't... The January 6th, you know, you remember, I mean, this was months leading up to that, and they was just all this fury about the rigged election and everybody was all invested and all, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't get the sense that people feel that way, that his, that the MAGA cult people feel necessarily quite that personally involved in this one. Mm. Um, and so maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. It's also possible that, you know, I think it, it wouldn't be the, the indictment that would bring people out. It would be more likely that it would be a conviction mm. that would cause people to come out. So I would say everybody should just keep their, you know, be, just wait and see what happens. I do. Are you say saying one stand, thing. I think stand back and stand by? Stand Is back that what and you're stand advising? by. Right. Okay. Yeah. And all be right. proud. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, you're all but very special. I love you all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Have fun. Uh-huh. Um, so, but I do think that one one thing that's important about this is that it's not the crowds. I don't think that are that have 
the you know the authorities spooked or or you know concerned. It, they're it's militia groups and it's just you know one off kind of you know lone wolves or mm-hmm. people like that inclined to take matters into their own hands and do things. So I think that's where we're at now with the with the mega violence at the moment. I don't think we we necessarily have to expect big demonstrations, but it's more like, you know, one or two people or a small group from somewhere uh-huh. doing something excessively violent, and that's probably what I would think the authorities are keeping their eyes on at this point. And a lot of a lot of those militia leaders um, are well, in jail, uh, facing uh, currently at trial uh, for seditious conspiracy on, on January 6th, so a lot of them are kind of busy, don't want to make their case worse, I suspect. But here's well, they're recording stars now, you know. They've got their... Yes. Disc. I'm sure they're signing contracts. <laughs> yes, they are. Don't worry, we won't play that for bumper music oh, yes. today. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, no. uh, re- re- Republicans, one thing that has sort of been uh, driving me crazy for the past few days, and I'll, I'll let either of you or all of you have a crack at this, but Republicans and Fox News and Donald Trump, they're all arguing this is a political prosecution by Democrats, or po- sometimes a political persecution by Democrats. Democrats meant to hurt his 2024 chances. And then in the very same breath, they all say that this is going to ensure his 2024 victory. So which one is it? How can it be both? And if it's political, isn't the argument then, well, it's political in favor of Donald Trump? Can anyone explain this to me? I would say, I would just say, expecting intellectual consistency from any of this crew is uh, is a waste waste of time. That's so unfair, <laughs> so unfair. But please go ahead. But please, uh, any, yeah. Anyone else want to take crack at that? Well, this is why we refer to them, and I, I, this is not a swear, but it's very impolite as reprogrammable meat bags on our podcast <laughs> because it it is you know, deficit's good, deficit's bad. Appearance of impropriety is sufficient to launch an investigation. How dare you talk about the president of the United States that way? And it, there is no consistency at all from, from the beginning of one sentence to the end of the next paragraph mm-hmm. with any of these people. It's just whatever Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson says tonight, mm-hmm. that's what's true mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. They exist in a perfect Trumpian zen like now, where there is no past, there's no nothing, which is why remembering stuff is so important. And just for fun, mm-hmm. so just for amusement's sake, mm-hmm. I would strongly urge you all to listen to podcasts that were dropped last Thursday during the morning period, because <laughs> it was, it's hilarious, the amount, uh, the number of people who are like, well, I guess it's over, Alvin Bragg's going to go on vacation all summer, right. not going to hear right. anything until Christmas, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's yeah. these lazy people, and blah, 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 and they were all so damn sure mm-hmm. that nothing was going to happen, and then it happened, and it, that's how fast things change, but... You know, at least they acknowledge that there was a past and they might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Republicans just never do that. See, mm-hmm. I, I never expect them to be consistent about these things. Let me take a quick break here. We'll come back with uh, our uh, closing few minutes with Drift Glass uh, and Digby and Desi, all three Ds, uh, for our special coverage of Indictment Day in New York City. Also, by the way, Desi Doyen has Green News Report coming up oh, later yes. on. So That's if nothing right. else, there's that straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is our special coverage of the broadcast. Don't go away. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. 
Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. We no longer set the standard. The standard sets us. What? Here I come, the king of clouds. Good Lord. As I hide behind this smile and paint the town. Though I cry, since you're gone, you'll never know because the show must go on. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Thanks to our friend KCP for suggesting that tune today for our special coverage of... Donald Trump's first indictment, uh, this one in New York City for 34 counts, 34 felonies for uh, misreporting uh, business records to conceal criminal activity. Falsifying business Thank records. Thank you. Uh, we we're with, uh, that is, of course, Desi Doyen, also with us today, Drift Glass and Heather Digby-Parton. Heather, uh Donald Trump has had a, a stream of all caps social media rants over the past, well, I was going to say 24 hours, but several days at this point. But this uh, rare brief comment of his, just one sentence long, I think, may be more telling than anything else. He says, quote, and this is in all caps, the radical left Democrats have criminalized the justice system. <laughs> this is not what America was supposed to be. This is not what his America was supposed to be, it seems to me. Well, criminalizing the justice system is an <laughs> absurd thing to say. It's uh-huh. just ridiculous. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I don't, you know, whatever. I mean, clearly what he's saying, he's trying to say that they've politicized the justice system, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, too dumb to know how to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, I mean, he just has never believed, and we talked about this earlier that he would be held accountable for the, you know, what he's been doing. I mean, this is the kind of stuff this guy's been doing for, you know, 50 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just his, this is his way of doing business. And he was always, in some cases, you know, going back to the 70s, they, the New York Times uh, expose on their, on their, you know, tax um, schemes in mm-hmm. the family, starting with his father. Yep. It, he committed fraud. I mean, just outright fraud. The statute of limitations had run out. There was nothing to be done. But that was just, that was proven. That's out there. We know what they did. Proven and, and blatant that, and sophisticated and smart. And he got yep. away with it. Yeah. And he got away with it. And that is, you know, and he also got away within the 70s. They were, he was, you know, close to being criminally charged for redlining and discriminating against against um, uh, African-Americans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their real estate business. And he got away with that, too. So very early on, Donald Trump learned, hey, I am above the law. I don't have to really do this. I can scheme. I can do it. You know, I'll be clever. I'll be cunning. I'll be able to do all this. He just never expected that he was ever going to get caught doing these things. And mm-hmm. probably, you know, there's evidence that there was there was this project called the Soho Project that they were done, and it was a very corrupt mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. They let him off on that. I mm-hmm. mean, that was the, his, this, you know, the, the Manhattan District Attorney Robert Morgenthau, who apparently was getting money from the Trump people, mm. um, from the Trump family, mm-hmm. let them off on that. So this has happened before, and I think that they thought that, you know, and I think he may have thought that he intimidated Bragg by, you know, all of his crazy social media stuff into backing off and they do see it as political but he also knows that it's real right he knows what he did Mm -hmm. he knows that he did this and you know there's some stuff in there in in these documents today that are really interesting you know he and michael cohen met in the oval office over this 
Mm. That's where they made the deal, sitting in the Oval Office. He signed checks while he was sitting in the Oval yes, Office. Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, to, I mean, that's just so offensive. You know, it's grotesque, not to mention illegal. And I think it also points out that this is not just this, like, minor charge that all of the folks that are trying to downplay these charges keep saying. You know, Trump cheated to win the presidency. The Manhattan charges that he faces are not based on technical or bookkeeping violations. They are literally part of a conspiracy to hide relevant information from voters in the days leading up to the 2016 election. And there are several actions that are detailed in these uh, documents that show that they were tied to the 2016 election. Like uh, there was a point where they say that the that Trump discussed waiting until after the 2016 election before making the payments, which ties it to the 2016 election and the larger crime of trying to defraud people about what actually was going on for voters. Man, Desi is a vicious animal like Alvin Bragg. (laughs) Uh, with Democrats, I don't know what to say. I know, uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things, and we've got just a, f- a few minutes here. I'd like to get your both of your thoughts, all three of your thoughts on this, if you like. Um, I have heard uh, throughout the day today, and really for the past several days, this is a sad moment. This is a sobering moment. <laughs> oh. I've heard this from a lot. Now, I disagree. I actually think it's a moment to celebrate that we are beginning to see the wheels of justice just beginning to move. The whole idea that we've you know, sort of heard all our lives that we are a nation of laws, not men, and no one is above the law. You know, and whatever Alvin Bragg has on his uh, website saying something similar uh, today. Uh it's it, that's always been st- largely stuff and nonsense for anyone who's actually paying attention today, at least a bit. It seems like that begins to change to create a more perfect union. And I think that is a good thing. I think it is actually something to celebrate, not to lament. Uh, let's sort of go around the table here. Uh, your thoughts on that uh, drift glass? Well, I'm in Illinois and in Illinois, we have put four of our past 10 governors in yes, prison. Yes. Um, th- that's the chief executive of our state. That's the equivalent of our president. And we got over it. Um, <laughs> we put Rod Lagojevich mm-hmm. in prison back-to-back with George Ryan, two mm-hmm. different parties, two governors. Both went to jail. Yep. Uh, Lagojevich was impeached, I think, 59 to 1. Mm-hmm. It was bipartisan straight down the line. And then he went to big boy jail. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? That's the whole, that's the process working. Yep. That's the way it's supposed to be. Supposed, it's supposed to. to be. If somebody lies their way into that office and uses it for corrupt purposes, then they get caught and they get dragged out and they go to jail. That, for me, is a refreshing change of pace from what we've been seeing for the last, you know, 50 years from the Republican Party. Yes. It's a good day. Thank good you. A good day indeed. Uh, Heather, would you like to disagree? No, absolutely not. I, <laughs> I totally agree that it's a good day. This is exactly what, I mean, it, it's true, not just in many states, as Drift Gus has said, it's true all over the world. There is huge temptation in, in you know, politics for people to be corrupt and to, be, to do criminal acts. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any accountability, the whole system becomes just a, you know, a, 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 you know, a pigsty It becomes what we have. It becomes what this is. And and getting worse. And getting worse. Because, I mean, the fact that Donald Trump was allowed to, A, even become president under the circumstances that he became, and then for the four years that he was in, he ran his business out of the White House. 
He, his sons were running around the world doing deals with foreign leaders, you know, for, for condo mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, you know, with people that, that Donald Trump was doing business with. Mm-hmm. It was corrupt from beginning to end. J- Jared um, Kushner left the office and, and came out with a $2 billion deal with the Saudis. This is what, I mean, it's been getting worse and worse and worse, particularly since Nixon. And, you know, we've seen one scandal after another about, mm-hmm. you know, real serious corruption on the part of these Republican leaders. And, and it, it, if they don't do it now, I just fear that if they, if we're not able to get some accountability, some way for the system to right itself, I really worry that, you know, we're definitely goners. This is way, way, way too important. Yep. And I'm not, it's not just Stormy Daniels, it's this whole idea that this guy feels that he is unaccountable to the law. And that is what it is. I don't care if it's Stormy Daniels, the election, the insurrection, whatever, the documents, you know, that whole, so we need another show we need to do on that one, too. There's oh. lots of news about that. Oh, we will. So, you know. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and honestly, it's, it's, not just, it's not just that he feels entitled, it's that Republican voters believe he's entitled to get away yeah. from yeah, yeah, and that's, good point. that's the scary part, that there's 70-plus million Americans out there who think, yeah, he's corrupt and he's a criminal, he's done terrible things, and he, and he should get away with it because we're Republicans, and that's our natural right. Mm-hmm. And they do it while screaming 1776 all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right, like right. Your head's right. Explode. And he went to uh, one office in the first place by calling for his political opponents to be locked up. So right. it's yeah. not oh, as if oh, they're the unfamiliar irony. with consequences. <laughs> the yes. irony that he's actually the one now. Um, I think that, yes, it is a good day for the rule of law that, you know, Bragg has to be somber about this. He cannot be seen as celebratory or giddy about any of this. But I think it's totally fine for us to be giddy and celebratory right. that <laughs> rule of law is maybe for once, just once, possibly uh, coming into play for an actual lawbreaker among the elite. But I think that for me personally, I'm a little sad that I have really enjoyed the last two years of getting to ignore Trump as much as possible. And now yeah. that time is over. Those days yeah. are over. And uh, f- for all of us, which, uh, again, it's not a sobering moment. That's good news with what's mm-hmm. ahead. As a matter of fact, um, just this month alone, I think we're going to see uh, more. I think uh, Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General, her civil case, $250 million bank tax and insurance fraud uh, scheme. That has a uh, hearing coming up this month. There's the upcoming rape trial being uh, brought by uh, columnist E. Jean Carroll in the days ahead. And then, of course, uh, as uh, Driftglass mentioned earlier, the, the cases from Fonnie Willis in Georgia on Trump's conspiracy to strong-arm state officials into stealing the election on his behalf and Jack Smith and and either his January 6th related investigation uh, or his stolen documents investigation. Uh, I hope you guys will keep your schedule open for us. Uh, very quickly, uh, around the table here, uh, which of those uh, comes next? Uh, as 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 Go ahead. You, you, I won't hold you accountable if you're wrong, but go ahead. Give us a guess. Which one comes next? Well, this, this well, whole, drift this whole glass, broadcast has been about accountability, and you're not going to hold us accountable for our stupid predictions? I mean, come on. <laughs> there you go. I will. I will. What's your prediction? Uh, Fanny Willis. All right. Georgia. Me uh, too. I think uh, Fanny Willis. Heather? Yeah. Oh, of all the ones that you named, it's going to be the Eugene Carroll one because they have the trial date set. So, uh, ha-ha, I win. There you go. <laughs> that, that doesn't count, cheater, but I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> Because I want you to come back. Uh, <laughs> Drift Glass can be found, uh, and his podcast can be downloaded at Pro Left. 
driftglasspod.com. You can read his occasional uh, blogging thoughts at driftglass.blogspot.com. And you can find him on the Twitters for now at Mr underscore electrico as far as heather goes you can find her work at salon.com and at digbysblog.net and of course you can find her on the twitters at digby56 hey guys i mean it keep your schedule open for us we may be calling you at very short notice very soon thanks so much for joining us uh, again today on the broadcast guys thanks thanks you bet thank you Okay, it's, um, I, you know, I, I, I just want to underscore that. We'll take a quick break. We'll get to a uh, Green News report in a second. But right. I just want to underscore, I have heard, I don't know how many times, about what a sad moment this is and how sobering this moment is. <laughs> and maybe sobering, maybe, but I, I, you know what? Accountability's got to start somewhere at some point, yes. somehow. Or we are just going to, as, as Heather was noting, you know, just keep spiraling into madness and a disaster and all of that has to do very much with things like the green news report coming up and all of the oh i see what you did there well no it really does <laughs> but you're right yes uh, you know because there is no accountability we've got just you know one side of the political spectrum is just crazy town just crazy town and we are staring staring down the barrel of civilization collapse with climate change and we have these crazy people as you'll hear in a in a second coming up in in GNR uh, an entire party who is unwilling to do anything about it as the planet itself is teetering on destruction. Well, we can only hope that accountability and restoration of the rule of law helps move us further in that direction of uh, of doing things that are smart and not stupid. You got to start somewhere. (laughs) And so uh, hopefully this is just the beginning. All right. Quick break. And we are back with that Green News Report right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. We didn't get to talk about it a whole lot. I believe we mentioned it on a Green News report last week. But the uh, Republican Party in the House, in a bill they called H.R. 1, mm-hmm. their first, you know, their number one bill, their number one priority. Their is energy to, bill. Their energy bill is to uh, basically end uh, renewable energy and replace it with coal and yeah. natural gas. Put and as many oil. impediments in the way of renewable energy as possible and support and expand fossil fuels wherever possible. That's what they are doing. That's what that party is doing. Uh, as you'll hear from uh, in, in the snarky comment in today's <laughs> Green News report, a guy by the name of Tim Burchett, a Republican from Tennessee. He's also the one who, after last week's school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, said, There's nothing we can do about guns. There's nothing we can do, despite the fact that uh, someone walked into a school and in 14 minutes fired 152 rounds. There's nothing we can do about it. Plus, 
let's uh, drill for more oil and, and yeah. gas because renewables don't work. And he really said not that we can't do anything about it. He says we won't do anything about it. And that is exactly the same thing that they're doing about climate change. As heard in our latest Green News report. It's definitely an eye-opener. Um, you know, things can change in an instant. Another deadly tornado outbreak ravages several states with more twisters on the way. When you take on big oil, they usually roll you. Um, that's exactly what they've been doing to consumers for years and years and years. California enacts first-in-the-nation law to rein in big oil price gouging. Plus... It was um, a historic moment for... For the climate justice movement. The tiny nation of Vanuatu gets UN to address climate justice. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The Biden administration, and unfortunately the Democrats in Congress, keep pushing these Green New Deal-style agendas. Honestly, Mr. Speaker, they just don't work. The wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine in East Tennessee. And I'm sure that's the way it is across this great nation. Uh, hey, Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee. You ever heard about batteries? Just asking for a few million people and for your grandkids. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, another weekend full of deadly tornadoes. Yes, the third tornado outbreak in just three weeks hit the Midwest and the Southeast over the weekend, killing at least 32 people and causing widespread damage across several states, according to officials. But the National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center warns that those areas will have no time to recover before the next round of dangerous storms takes aim at the same areas. While the exact influence of climate change on tornadoes is inconclusive due to lack of data, studies do show that tornado swarms are increasing in frequency and severity because of man-made global warming. They sure seem to be. The UK's Guardian reports on new research out of Australia suggesting that melting ice around Antarctica will cause a rapid slowdown of a major global deep ocean current that helps circulate ocean heat energy around the planet. The study projects that if nations fail to cut emissions that cause global warming, then melting fresh water off the coast of Antarctica is likely to disrupt and slow that deep sea current by 40% in just the next 30 years. That's a slowdown that would alter the world's climate for centuries to come and accelerate sea level rise. Meanwhile, a new study in the journal Nature confirms previous findings that the burden of sea level rise is larger, its effects will hit earlier than anticipated, and rising seas will threaten areas not expecting it. Due to what the researchers call indirect effects. Indirect effects of rising seas are things like damage to critical infrastructure, like repeatedly inundated roads, bridges, and railroads that can cut off communities that need help for long periods of time. But many communities, they say, are unaware of this risk exposure. So expect the unexpected at this point? Exactly. 
But some good news. The Department of the Interior this week announced that the Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement has cleared the way for the nation's first ever commercial scale offshore wind energy project. And offshore turbine construction can begin off the coasts of Rhode Island and New York, a major milestone toward meeting President Biden's goal of deploying 30 gigawatts of U.S. offshore wind energy by 2030. Well, don't tell Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee. In California, Democrats Governor Gavin Newsom has signed into law the nation's first penalty for price gouging at the pump. It was triggered by gas price spikes last summer that pushed prices to near record highs in the state. The new law gives the State Energy Commission the authority to subpoena private internal oil industry data to investigate whether oil companies are price gouging and punish those companies for excess windfall profits. The state's powerful oil industry spent millions of dollars trying to block the law but Newsom signed it late last week. We proved that we could actually beat big oil. Well, we'll see. Yes. And finally, a new United Nations resolution introduced by the low-lying Pacific Island nation of Vanuatu and passed unanimously could be a significant first step in making it easier to hold polluting countries and companies legally accountable for failing to tackle the climate crisis. The resolution calls on the International Court of Justice to issue an advisory opinion establishing each government's obligations under international law for addressing global warming impacts. That could affect big oil companies facing civil liability lawsuits in courts around the world for knowingly producing planet warming emissions while deceiving the public about it for decades. Here's Vanuatu's prime minister before the landmark vote at the U.N. Together, we will send a loud and clear message not only around the world, but far into the future, that on this very day, the peoples of the United Nations decided to tackle the defining challenge of our times, climate change. For much more on all of these stories and the many we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Vanuatu, Vanuatu, the land where we My thanks to Vanuatu. Yes. And to my guest today, Heather Digby Parton of Salon and Hollablu, Drift Glass of the Pro Left Podcast, and of course our producer Desi Doyen. <laughs> and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's special coverage or any other show we've ever done since the beginning of time, you can download it for free at brandblog.com. No paywall there, thanks to those of you who support our work by heading over to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Desi is green news at bradblog.com. Yep. And you can find, follow, and uh, share all of the work that she does on social media at Green News Report. And you'll find me there at the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Till we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. Tomorrow marks the anniversary of the Upper Big Branch mine disaster. This is the first of two parts commemorating that moment in labor history. The year was 2010. A massive explosion ripped through Massey Energy's mine in Raleigh County, West Virginia. The explosion killed 29 miners. It was the deadliest in decades. The explosion at the Upper Big Branch mine revealed the ruthlessness of profit-driven mine executives, raking in $104 million in profit the year before, they callously insisted the explosion had been an act of God. The explosion also exposed the immense pressure on federal and state regulators to look the other way or go easy on enforcement. And it demonstrated just how deep the ties go between industry, regulators, and those in seats of political power. The Upper Big Branch Mine explosion served as a testament to the increasingly unsafe and non-union nature of the industry. 35 Five years ago, 95% of the state's mines were unionized. Walkouts over health and safety were common. Now, less than 25% are. And the workers risk their livelihoods if they dare to speak up about safety. Autopsies of those killed in the explosion revealed that over 70% of them were found to have had black lung disease, an entirely preventable disease with proper ventilation. Massey executives routinely violated safety rules as a cost of doing business. American universities de- detailed study of Massey's safety record for the years 2000 through 2010 concluded that no other U.S. coal company had a worse fatality record. A total of 54 workers, including those at the Upper Big Branch Mine, had been killed during that time period. They also found that Massey had been cited for nearly 63,000 violations, including more than 25,000 considered significant and substantial. Like what you hear? Check out more at laborhistoryin2.com.